Girlfriends, episode number 156, Seven Ways to Be More Humble. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we're talking about a tricky topic, how to be more humble. Do we even want that? Let's talk about it. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? Welcome to another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. Thanks for being here. You know I love connecting here through the podcast every week. And this week, I'm feeling good because I am not 100%, but mostly recovered from the flu. And those of you who know me know I don't use that word flu lightly. I really believe we had the flu in this house. And I didn't get a whopper case of it because I had my flu shot. And others in the household barely got sick. But this thing is a thing. (laughs) And I think probably Dan got it the worst because he did not have his flu shot. Um, Anyway, we're recovering from the creeping crud of the flu. I hope you and your family are doing well. January and February, these are tough months, even into March in New Hampshire anyway, for illnesses. So wash your hands, people. Stay home if you don't feel good. (laughs) These are things I'm telling people this time of year. It's really important. But so this week, we're going to talk about humility, ways to grow in humility. And this is kind of an offshoot of my recent announcement of my goal a couple of episodes back for 2019 of praying the litany of trust, right? I shared that with you and we prayed it together. I hope some of you are adopting that. One little side note about the litany of trust is the webpage that I linked to for the Sisters of Life, where the litany of trust is, updated like a few days ago. And now you can order little prayer cards with the litany of trust. It's like a trifold prayer card size little piece of cardboard, you can order like a 25 pack. And I did. And it's awesome. So I'm sharing these with people because I think I had shared with you in that show that I was looking for a way that I could print it or something, have a tangible way of reminding me even when I'm not on my phone or on my computer to pray the litany of trust. And um, anyway, so check it out. I'll keep that link in the show notes for this week as well. If you want to order your prayer cards with the litany of trust or just have the link online where you can go and pray it. Anyway, that's just a side note because a number of you, when I shared about the litany of trust, sent me a little note and said, did you know about the litany of humility? And yes, I do know about the litany of humility. That one, I don't know who wrote it. Um, You can find it on the EWTN website. I'll link to it in the show notes. It's um, actually even shorter than the litany of trust. And it's been around for a while because I remember even as a teenager, my mom urging me to pray that prayer and sharing it with me. And you know what? It's a hard prayer to pray. And it made me think when I was receiving this link from people who were sharing it with me last week, I was thinking, why is this a hard prayer to pray? Why do we hesitate when we think, do I want to be more humble? Why do we hesitate about that? Why do we hesitate when we think, do I want to grow in humility? And I think, you know, part of the problem, first of all, comes from trust. I think these two things are really linked. Trusting in God and wanting humility. Because, you know, our world will tell us, of course, wanting to be more humble is stupid, right? It's passive. It's submissive. It's weakness. It's insecurity. 
a humble person. But I mean, that's absolutely not true. And when we think about the virtues, what are the ones that we think, oh, I'd like to grow in that one, right? I'd like to be courageous or I'd like to be generous. I'd like to be faithful or honest or loyal or whatever. Um, all of these virtues, right? Those are very appealing to us because if we think about it, why are those appealing to us? And it's not appealing to think I want to be more humble, right? Because we're not going to earn worldly praise, perhaps. It's actually the opposite of seeking worldly praise to become more humble. There's some part of our core being where our pride lies, by the way, that rejects the idea of wanting to grow in humility. And yet, I think that makes it all the more important for us to grow in humility, to recognize what it really is. And I think it is. It goes hand in hand with trust because we're not trusting in God. If we are rejecting the idea of becoming more humble, we're not trusting that God is going to provide for us, that God's approval is the only approval that we need. We're not trusting that that's true. We want those other things, right? We're valuing those other things over that virtue that God wants us to grow in, that Jesus set us the example of. So important. I think it's a really important thing. And, and so many of our other sins come from that core sin of pride. I know for sure that that's the case with me. When I take the time and examine, why did I do that? Why was I tempted to do that? Why did this happen? Why did I respond in that negative way? It almost always comes down to pride and a lack of trust. So getting at that core, I thought this week is a good opportunity for us to talk about ways that we can be more humble. And so if you have trouble praying some of those words in the litany of humility, which, you know, I'll admit, I sometimes <laughs> hesitate. I feel like I don't want to pray that. I don't actually want that. But inside of the litany of of humility, um, if you go and you pray it, you know, it's it's again, where just like the litany of trust where you're repeating, deliver me, Jesus, right? So from the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, forgotten, ridiculed, wronged, suspected, deliver me, Jesus. So all of these things, we, we might hesitate because we really don't want those things. And we really do want those other things. And yet Jesus is asking us to trust in him, trust in him to provide for all that we need. And, you know, separate from this prayer or the actual words of this prayer, think of people you know in your life who you would authentically, truly describe as humble. Sometimes, um, you know, I know I've experienced this before. You, you know somebody who truly is great at something or just a great person in many ways who is humble. And isn't that what people say about that person? And isn't that what they admire, ironically, about that person? She's just so real, right? She noticed me and talked to me, even though she's this fantastic celebrity or whatever it might be that you admire, right? That we, we recognize humility as a virtue when it's authentic and when we see it in other people. Think about people you know who are truly humble and what a beautiful, attractive trait that is in them. Of course, we should want to grow in humility. I think sometimes we reject it because you remember there's like this famous quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. 
And I think that's a really great distinction to make because sometimes that's what we think. Oh, I have to think I'm dirt. I have to think I'm worthless to be humble. That's not what humility is. It's focusing less on yourself, focusing more on other people. That's a very attractive thing. Okay, so let's talk about these seven ways that I've kind of put together here for you to be more humble, to grow in the virtue of humility. And the first one I'm going to mention is pray for it. Okay, we've already talked about the litany of humility. You might want to add that to your daily prayers. And I'm sharing with you now, I'm doing it. So since a lot of you sent it to me, I thought, well, somebody's trying to tell me to be more humble. So I'm not saying that those of you who sent me that were trying to tell me that. I know you were just sharing a prayer that was helpful for you and was uh, similar to the one that I had shared. Um, So I am praying the litany of trust and the litany of humility each day. So like I said, I have my prayer cards for the litany of trust. So far, I just have the litany of humility bookmarked on my computer and on my phone, but I'm positive there are prayer cards out there for it. Um, So I may be getting some of those, but maybe you'd like to join me in that. Because I think these two are so linked, let's see what fruit God wants to bear in our lives in 2019 if we commit to saying these prayers every day. If we focus on growing in trust and growing in humility, what could God do in your life in 2019 if we focus there? So I invite you to join me in praying those prayers. So pray for humility. Seems weird, right? God, make me more humble. But maybe that isn't so much what we should be praying for, but asking God to open our eyes to the opportunities we have to practice humility in our lives. Oftentimes, that's all we need because there's plenty of opportunities out there to practice all of the virtues. We just need to see them for what they are and see them as an invitation to practice that virtue. So ask God to open your eyes to the ways in which you might be able to practice humility in your everyday life without having to go out and do some crazy thing for it. You don't have to put on a sackcloth and ashes, you know, <laughs> but look for ways in your everyday life. Pray for it and pray for the opportunity to um, to see those, those things in your life, those chances that you have to practice humility. And then another part of praying for it is in the Catholic Church, we have the awesome sacrament of confession. Well, there's nothing more humbling, those of us who have been to confession know, than telling all your bad stuff to someone else, right? Walking into the confessional and speaking those words to Jesus through the person of the priest sometimes is terribly humiliating. Sometimes I've avoided confession because I think I can't, I can't say that. You know, I need to confess that. I can't say it, right? Don't let that be an obstacle for you. Regular confession is a wonderful way to grow in humility because you know what it does? It keeps right in front of your face all of your own sins and failings, and you're much less likely to aggrandize yourself in your own eyes if you're regularly examining your conscience in an honest way and confessing those sins out loud and receiving God's mercy. It's a humbling thing to lay yourself before God in that way, to lay bare what's going on in your soul with all the dirt and all the bad stuff and and the embarrassing stuff to just let God heal you of that, cleanse you of that through the sacrament of confession. So making more regular use of confession is a wonderful way to grow in humility. All right, that's the first one, confession, but related to that, praying for a growth in humility. Okay, the second one, take the worst job. 
Now, this is one that I've tried to keep in mind. I, I read it years ago. I think it was an advice from Mother Teresa about growing in humility. There's an attractive, very popular person who was very humble, right? She's a great example of that. But she had, I don't remember the specifics of it, but had recommended that a way to grow in humility is when there's an opportunity, you know, when you're divvying up tasks in any way, whether it's with your coworkers or with your family or with your friends or whatever, take the worst one. Choose it for yourself. You know what? That actually will make other people love you. If you're worried that growing in humility is going to make you an unlovable, rejected creature, just the opposite will happen if you're doing this. Right? I know I did this years ago um, when I was working, when I was a new mom working in a nursing home and um, I was an activity coordinator there. And one of the things we would do for the residents in this nursing home is every Sunday we would have a tea party like a fancy tea party. And we had beautiful teacups. I think most of them donated to us, probably by the residents themselves. Beautiful china. And, you know, it was probably about 100 residents that we put on this tea party for. So like 100 teacups and saucers that we would use for this fancy tea party on Sundays. And so you couldn't run those through the dishwasher. So it was, you know, 100 cups and 100 saucers that needed to be washed and dried by hand and put away carefully every week. You can imagine, <laughs> between me and my coworkers, nobody wanted to do that job. And I remember it really stood out to me, um, especially after I had my daughter, Katery, my my first baby, and I went back to work after she was born. And, um, you know, after all the everything I'd been through, becoming a new mom and adjusting to life as a, a mom with a newborn and then struggling to... Um, adjust to a, a going back to work schedule and Dan was in school and all, you know, it was a crazy time. And I felt like I had grown exponentially <laughs> in the weeks that I had been away from work. And so when I went back, that job did not seem like a big deal at all. You know, a few quiet moments, I can stand at the sink and wash these cups and saucers. Yes, thank you. I'll do that. And uh, my coworkers loved me because I volunteered for that every single week. Every single time I had the chance to take on that job, I did it. And so maybe there's something like that in your life, the thing that everyone avoids. Well, it can be a great practice in growing in humility to just volunteer yourself for that. None of us is above any kind of work here on this earth. So if there are certain jobs that you think, like, not my job, you know, whether it's, oh, the kids should do that, oh, my husband should do that, oh, that's for um, somebody at work who's beneath me, um, you know, maybe challenge yourself a little bit. Maybe take on some of those tasks. You know, I, I think it can be a great example to other people, but it mostly I think it's a great personal practice reminding yourself, I'm not above this. I'm not, you know, more worthy than others. And so I should never have to take out the trash or, or whatever the job might be. Um, think about a job in your life that you encounter regularly or irregularly. Maybe it's just going to be a rare opportunity where you're on the planning committee for something at your parish and there's the schlep work of making a bunch of phone calls that nobody wants to do. Volunteer. Volunteer to do the thing that nobody else wants to do. Take the worst job. Let that be your mantra. And I'm not perfect at it, but when I do see those opportunities, I really do remember Mother Teresa and those words of advice that she had for growing in humility. And maybe now you will too. Maybe I put that bug in your ear and the next time you see everybody avoiding a certain job, you'll be the one to raise your hand and say, I'll do it. Great way to grow in humility. All right. Number three for ways to grow in humility is praise other people 
We talked about this just last week when we were talking about FOMO and I was encouraging you to look for ways that you can compliment, authentic ways you can compliment other people. Praise other people. And what I was saying back then, and it's still true this week, is sometimes we hold back and we're stingy in our praise and in our compliments for other people because we have this idea which is insane, that somehow complimenting other people or recognizing good things other people are doing or good things that they are is somehow going to detract from us. Like we have this scarcity mentality. There's only six compliments to go around. So if I spend three of them on other people today, that's less for me to receive, right? It's ridiculous. So examine yourself, examine what your motives are when you hold your tongue. When sometimes you notice something and you could say a good word, you could say a good word of praise to somebody, whether it's just about the color of their hair or the outfit they have on or their good work that they've done or their children who behave well or whatever it is that you notice, especially if it's something you're lacking, praise them for it. Say it. Examine yourself. Ask yourself, why am I not saying that? Why am I holding back? And sometimes I know, because I've experienced this too, it's just out of a sense of discomfort. Like we're not really, you know, in an intimate relationship with somebody and, um, or we don't have a close friendship with somebody and, and we don't want it to come across as like we're being a flatterer or whatever. But I mean, think of times when a stranger has complimented you. That's happened to me and it really strikes me every time as, you know, really authentic, actually. Like why would that person go out of their way to say that to me right now? And, you know, so think of that and just think about the gift that it can be to that other person and make it a habit to do that. Who doesn't love the person who gives them words of praise and encouragement? Be that person for other people. It's a wonderful way for you to grow in humility while also blessing other people. All right. So number four is keep quiet. Yeah, I know. We talked about this during the FOMO episode as well. I guess this is just FOMO extended, right, this week. Keep quiet. The world does not always need your opinion. It doesn't. And sometimes we kind of fall into that trap. And we we have this grand idea of how important our own thoughts and feelings and perspectives are in our own minds. And, I, you know, we've all experienced this. You know, um, there's that funny cartoon that's been around for years where you know, the one spouse is like, come to bed. And the other one's like, I can't. Somebody's wrong on the internet, right? <laughs> so they're like typing at their computer, staying up late because somebody is wrong on the internet. Well, there's always somebody wrong on the internet and they don't always need to be corrected. I've noticed this in myself and I'll, I'll try to check myself, check myself before I wreck myself. When I see, you know, somebody who clearly in my mind is wrong about something. And I do, we, I think we all do kind of have that sense of justice, but I mean, how much of it is from our own pride, right? That we want to correct that situation. And I've noticed this with myself. Like I just, I, I, what I'm driven by is I need this person to know that they're wrong about this. Well, do you, are they even going to be open to what you're sharing? You know, because when we're coming out with that attitude, we're we're often not approaching out of a a place of love, right? To lovingly guide our neighbor. No, we want to fix it. We want to tell them how stupid they are. We want to force them to see how right we are. Well, so keep quiet. The world doesn't always need to hear from you. And this also applies to conversations. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone who like dominates the conversation? 
with stories about themselves. I once worked with somebody and it was astonishing to me and I actually felt really bad for her because she was the kind of person that you couldn't have a conversation with without her taking whatever little thing you contributed and turning it into something from her. Oh, I did that once and then she'll tell you the story or, oh, that reminds me of this and, you know, then she'll tell you that story. And it was actually really annoying and it made her really unlikable to the other people that I was working with. But I remember at the time just feeling sad for her because I thought, what what need does she have in her life where she's become, you know, she's habitually doing this kind of seeking attention in, in a way that everybody notices. Now, you may not have that kind of extreme problem in your life, but do you have some form of it? Spend a little time. I want to encourage you to think about the ways in which God might be calling you to correct yourself a little bit in your conversations with other people. I try to do this before a social event, whether it's work or, or personal or whatever. I try to think about, and I'm not perfect at it. I'm not telling you I'm perfect at this. Um, but it's a good habit to think about the people who are going to be there and, you know, think about their lives, think about what's important to them and have in mind some important things that you might ask them about what's going on in their world. And then, you know, be quiet and listen. Who doesn't love a good listener, right? Oh, I moved on to number five. That's listen to others. Okay, so I've moved on to number five. <laughs> Keeping quiet then naturally leads to listening to others, right? Being open and not always having to share your thoughts and your opinions. Be open to learning from other people. You learn a lot when you're quiet. Let me tell you, with this flu that I'm getting over, uh, I had, you know, real sore throat <laughs> issues where I was naturally, and I've noticed this before when I've had other illnesses, I naturally was just not talking as much. I was limiting how much I was talking, how much I was sharing. If it wasn't vital, I just wasn't saying it. And let me tell you, that's a different way to go about my life rather than just saying every thought that passes through my head. You naturally become more observant of other people. You naturally um, develop more of an interior life and thought process, become a more reflective person, um, you know, as when, whether you have a sore throat or not, <laughs> whether you have a voice or not, you can hear mine's still not 100%, um, that, you know, being open to learning from other people requires listening to them, asking them questions about themselves, about their work, about their family, about their hobbies, about what's important to them, asking those questions. Okay, and then part of listening to others, and this is the part where I think you really have an opportunity to grow in humility, is admitting when they're right and pointing it out. You know, have you ever had somebody just boldly say to you, you are right? You know how good that feels <laughs> to have somebody affirm for you that you're right about something? You are right about that. Or even coming back to you and saying, oh my gosh, you were so right about that. I once read this article about supporting your husband and encouraging your husband. And that was one of the things was tell him he's right. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is such an ego feeding thing. But truly, I, it made me think how rarely I say those words to my husband. <laughs> and it probably has nothing to do with whether or not he's right. He's right all the time, right? Not 100%. Okay. Dan doesn't listen. I can tell you. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's right a lot of the time. But how many times do I go back and say those words? Like say, speak those words. You are right. You were right. Think about how affirming that is. And yet we hold back because somehow that feels like building up another at our own expense. But it's truly not. And, and Okay. And then the, the counterpart to that, how often do you say the words, I was wrong? It's really hard to do. It's part of a good apology, admitting that you were wrong, right? So we all should be doing this on a regular basis. And then related to this, I wanted to mention 
the idea of giving in in a conversation or in an argument, whether it's about something small or whatever, even when you know you're right, sometimes there's no good fruit to come from continuing an argument with somebody when you're 100% right, they're 100% wrong, but maybe you're not going to convince them. And maybe it's only your own pride that's urging you to keep on talking about that thing with that person. And maybe you're just not humble enough to be truly receptive to what they're saying and what they're sharing. And you might be wrong. I actually saw an example of this in my own dad over um, Christmas break. The kids and I were at my parents' house and we were on teams playing a Trivial Pursuit game. And my dad is super annoying to play Trivial Pursuit with because he knows everything. He knows absolutely everything. There's not a fact in the world the man has ever read. And he has read a ton that he has forgotten. Like, he knows everything. And so he was on the other team, unfortunately. Anyway, but I observed him working with his teammates, some of whom were, you know, young kids and whatnot. And I, I don't even remember what the question was about, but I knew that my dad knew that answer. And I saw him hold back. I saw him not say the answer. And then when others kind of said answers that they were guessing at or whatever, my dad said what he thought the answer was, which was correct. I was positive. And um, one of the kids on on his team argued with him about it and he just let it go. He didn't care. And, you know, I mean, that's it's a trivial pursuit game with kids, right? But how many of us would be like, no, I am right. I know this and just argue it in that way. But what a beautiful example of my dad's humility and practice there. He just held himself back. Um, you know, he he knew what he knew and it didn't matter. But how often do we lose sight of that, that it doesn't matter? And we get so focused on I'm right and they're wrong and everybody needs to know it, especially that person who's wrong, right? But think about the, the good fruit that can come from just holding our tongue, holding back, keeping quiet and listening to other people. Okay, so that's number five. All right, number six is share the credit. This goes along with um, complimenting other people and recognizing good things that other people do. Sometimes we hold back from sharing the credit. I had a boss once, I was working at a summer camp, who I had, um, uh, we were doing some kind of a carnival or something for the campers. And I had spent hours and hours and hours creating the signs for this event. You know, I, I did like fancy lettering on these signs and uh, the posters looked pretty good. The signs were good. And then I observed my boss with somebody who complimented him on the posters, just thanking the person like he had done it. Oh my gosh. I mean, I was like, I wasn't, you know, looking for a parade or a round of applause for the signs I had made, but that was really unbecoming to watch him take credit for what I had done. How many of us do that in big ways and small ways, whether it's with our kids or with our coworkers or with our spouse or with our friends or on a team we're on? How many of us do that? Even just without, just because we're not verbally giving credit to other people, are we taking that credit for ourselves? Are we hoping others will assume that we are the reason, you know, that this project was successful or whatever? It's good to get in the habit of um, not deflecting compliments, okay? Uh, that's annoying when, you know, someone knows her hair is fabulous and you tell her her hair is fabulous and she's like, oh, no, it's a mess. You know, <laughs> that's annoying. I don't mean that. But when somebody praises you, 
for something, gives you a compliment for something, look for ways that you can share that credit because there are so few things we do well, so few things that we do a good job of on our own without support from other people, without help from other people, without inspiration from other people, without the grace of God. Okay? You know, I've I've in recent years gotten in the habit of when people say good things to me about my family, about my kids, about any work that I've done that I might be tempted to be proud of, that I give credit to God. You know, I don't stand there and and say, oh, what a fabulous thing I've done. You're right or whatever. Um, you know, even just saying thank you is gracious, right, when someone compliments you. But it, it started to feel wrong to me, especially in situations where I really felt like it wasn't me. And certainly it wasn't me on my own, that it really was only through the grace of God that this kid, you know, got through high school or, or whatever it might be, um, especially with regard to stuff in my family life, that, you know, it was it was me and Dan working together. But even more than that, it was God's grace. I don't do anything I do because I'm awesome. I'm only able to do it because of God's grace, God's goodness and his abundant mercy. How often do we pause and recognize that, though? Especially think about things that you're especially proud of. And it's okay to be proud of good things that you've done and good things going on in your life. But then make room for sharing that credit. Look for ways where it was only able to happen because your husband was there with you doing it, because your coworker was helping you out, because you had the support at home, because your parents were watching the kids, because God was graceful and generous with you. Look for ways to give credit to others, to share the credit. Because there's really nothing we're doing on our own. We can do no good things, right, without the help of God. And then the other part of sharing the credit is saying thank you. Even if you aren't necessarily receiving a compliment and looking to share that credit or up there with your Academy Award and saying, I want to thank all the little people, you know, <laughs> um, Say thank you to people. Spend some time thinking about the things that you've done that are good, the things that are good in your life, and who you have to thank for it. Thank God for sure, right? Because all good things come from God. But then thank people who've cooperated with God's grace in your life to help make good things happen. Say thank you to your husband for being a good dad. Say thank you to your babysitter. Say thank you to your kids for helping out around the house. Whatever it is that's making it possible for good things to be happening in your life, good things you may or may not be getting the credit for, say thank you to other people. It's really part of that openness to others is sharing the credit. All right, number seven, the last way I want to encourage you to grow in humility this week is to ask for help. This is a big one, right? Because I, I know I struggle with this a lot. It is hard for me to ask for help. It's hard. And for sure, that doesn't mean I never need help. Sometimes I really need help. And it's hard for me to do that. I know in big ways and in small ways, like if I'm going through like a major crisis in my life, it's not even hard to ask for help. It's hard to accept help because I'll have people who offer help in various ways. And it's hard for me because you know what? It's a blow to your ego. You know, if I'm being honest, that's what's going on when I want to reject help or I don't want to ask for help is I've got this pride thing that I'm struggling with where I want to say, I've got this. I've got it all together. 
don't worry about it, you know? And it's just part of the human experience. We're going to have times in our lives where we don't have it all together, where we do need help and we're built for community and nothing builds community like coming together and helping one another, especially in a time of crisis, but even inside of little crises that might be going on in your life, accepting help. You know, I even do this when we host an event at our house. I'll reject help from other people. And it's so dumb because I know when I'm invited somewhere, I want to be helping out. I want to feel like my contributions are meaningful. And yes, so sometimes I have a set menu for a party we're having or whatever. And so bringing a dish may or may not be helpful in those situations. But I've been working on looking for ways, honestly, that would ease my burden a little bit in the planning or in the hosting of this event. And then asking for people to pitch in or, you know, responding to people's offers with specifics about ways that they can be helpful. Do you do that when you have people over? Are you tempted to be like, I do it all myself. I've got it all together. Kind of like rather than true hospitality of inviting people into your space and connecting with them in an authentic way. Are you tempted to be putting on a show? That is not humility. So a great way to work on growing in humility is to ask for the help you need. Be honest about the things that are hard for you. There's no truer connection, especially between women, than in sharing the things you're struggling with. Because we all have things we're struggling with. And a lot of them, truth be told, are the same for all of us. We've all got a lot of the same stuff going on. So when you can get together with a, a girlfriend or a potential girlfriend and, you know, let your guard down a little bit. Because if we're honest, that guard, it's all about your pride. It's all about keeping up appearances, right? It's not about growing in humility. And it's only through that authentic sharing of yourself, sharing what some of your real struggles are. Yeah, maybe you don't want to do this with a mean girl. You know, <laughs> We all know mean girls, even well into my 40s. I still know mean girls. So maybe not that. But if there's somebody you're really seeking friendship and connection with, this is a wonderful way to connect is to share some of the ways you're struggling, to ask for help and accept help when it's offered. Okay, so those are my seven ways that I'm sharing this week for um, ways to grow in humility. So just to recap, pray for it, the litany of humility, check it out. Number two, take the worst job. Three, praise other people. Four, keep quiet and connected. Number five, listen to others. Number six, share the credit when you can. And number seven, ask for help or accept it when it's offered. Okay. You might have some ideas for ways to grow in humility. Maybe you have a story to share with our listeners here at Girlfriends. I would love to hear from you. And I'd love to add your voice, especially to an upcoming episode of the Girlfriends podcast. So you can send me your voicemail, record it right on your phone, and then send it to me at danielle at daniellebean.com. If you prefer to type me up an old-fashioned email, you can do that, danielle at daniellebean.com. I'm also Danielle Bean on all the social media. You know how to find me. No excuses. Or if you prefer Voxer, which is that fun app to connect with voice messages, you can always find the link to connect with me on Voxer in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back with more girlfriends after this break. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. That's youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. 
just finished listening to your three goals um, podcast that you put out, and it was fabulous. You said you were interested in hearing them, so here you go. Um, first, I want to finish a photography course that I purchased last year. I want to maintain and achieve consistent workouts. I want to read 52 books and have um, monthly cocktail hours with friends. Just invite them over for like appetizers and drinks. Um, I want to read aloud to my kids most days. I want to plant and maintain a merry garden in our backyard. And my word of the year that I'm really focusing on is kindness. So I have several books I'm going to be reading about that. And I want to write um, a personal litany of kindness. I had to absolutely crack up as you were talking about the litany of trust because trust was my word of the year last year. And I prayed that litany of trust most days. I'm not going to say every day, but most days. And it was a really beautiful and powerful and humbling experience. And then just um, a couple weeks ago, the leadership of our homeschool co-op was away on a retreat and we were having a time of prayer and um, a woman was sharing something that was really difficult and challenging for her. And I pulled out the litany of trust and um, myself and the two other Catholics who were there, um, we prayed it. Everybody else was silent um, but we prayed it, and after after we were finished, she goes, wow, I really liked that. Can you send that to me? And I was like, yes, yes, I can. Um, so it was just, it was really, really beautiful, and that's that prayer is one I just, I go to, and I, I focus in on, you know, one or two little lines of it and try to incorporate it in my day. Thank you for all you do. You have a fabulous podcast, and I always, always, always enjoy it when it, it pops into my phone. So thank you so much, and have a great day. Bye. So first of all, thank you, Anne-Marie, for your sharing of your goals. I love everything you shared as you're talking about your goals. I'm like, oh, what a wonderful life this sounds like. <laughs> and I know <laughs> it's not all perfection like that, but I love the positivity of your goals. Um, you have a word of the year that last year was trust and this year is kindness. I know a lot of people really enjoy that. Um, and, you know, just choosing one word. It's nice. It's a nice way to kind of focus your goals for the year and kind of have a theme with what your goals are. So I think that's fantastic. And it's not too late, listeners. If you're listening to this now and you still don't have a word for 2019, there are um, 11 and a half more months left. You can do this. So, you know, pick a word if, you, if you're inclined to do that or set your goals like Amory shared. Simple, doable things like that. Um, and I do have to comment on your wanting to read 52 books in the coming year. I think that's fantastic. A lot of us really want to read more. And one thing that I want to say um, is that I find... I have more time to read if I put my phone away. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> kind of genius, right? Yeah, no, not really. It's a no-brainer. Put your phone away, people. If you have a goal of reading more books in 2019, put your phone away and go visit your library. And um, you'll be surprised at the pockets of time that open up inside of your day that way. And then finally, Anne-Marie, thank you for sharing that beautiful story of your using the litany of trust last year and the beautiful way that you shared it with others. I think that is really inspiring. And so those of you who are listening, who are kind of feeling that nudge because we've been talking about it, it's a simple prayer to pray. Take just a couple of minutes out of your day each day, 
add it to your daily prayers and really focus on trust because like we've been talking about here, it's the flip side of that humility. And if you're growing in trust and growing in humility, you'll grow closer to God in the coming year. So thank you so much, Anne-Marie. And thank you for leaving that voicemail, which you know is my love language. (laughs) I love to hear from listeners that way. But we also have a couple of emails that I want to talk about this week. First, I heard from Kate, who wanted to share more pelvic floor resources. We heard from a listener and we got feedback already about the Mutu system, um, which I shared about a couple of episodes ago. But Kate wanted to say, hi, Danielle, I was just listening to your episode, Three Goals to Set for 2019, and I heard you talk about someone who's looking for pelvic floor resources. I wanted to share with you what has helped me. After giving birth, I had diastasis recti. Did I say that right? And some weakening of the pelvic floor. I followed this girl on Instagram, and she posts a lot of great exercises that have really helped me strengthen my pelvic floor and diastasis recti. (laughs) Now I said it differently. Um, I want to pass this on to you so you can share with the listener who is looking for pelvic floor resources. So she gave me the link to this woman's Instagram and her... um, her handle on Instagram is good for the swole s w o l e and I will put a link to this account in the show notes for this episode of girlfriends so you can check out good for the swole and um her pelvic floor exercises I'm scrolling through it right now and it looks like there's a lot of great just really practical workout and nutrition tips in here, but then a lot of them focus on pregnancy, postpartum, and pelvic floor strengthening. So that sounds like a great resource. Thank you so much, Kate, for sending that in. All right, next up, I want to share an email from Kristen, who shared that she listened to the Three Goals for 2019 episode and wanted to give feedback for the listener who's looking for a ministry to help with marriage struggles. So Kristen writes, first, I pray that the struggles she has are not related to domestic violence because that would require a different response. And she includes a link there. Um, Second, assuming abuse isn't in the picture, I completely agree with you that she should be commended for wanting to improve her marriage and being willing to put in the effort to do so. I'd point her to the Retrovi program, marriage program, helpyourmarriage.org. It starts with a weekend of presentations by married couples and a priest, but it's not just a one-time retreat. The focus on is on reconnecting and improving communication. Um, the website has a lot more information, so I'll put that link in the show notes as well so the listener who asked for it and anyone else who's interested can look that up. And um, I do want to mention that the Retrovi program is for marriages that are in crisis, you know, if that doesn't describe what's going on in your marriage, if you've got, you know, everyday issues or just need to work on communication or something, it's probably, that's not what you need. It's really meant to be an intervention for marriages that are truly in crisis and in in danger of falling apart. Um, And then this listener, Kristen, goes on and says, I only have direct experience, a great experience with the sister program Marriage Encounter, www.me.org. But through Marriage Encounter, we've become close to a couple that says the Retrovi really turned their marriage around from a dark place. So feel free to forward this and share it as a whole. So I'm going to forward this to the listener who is specifically looking for marriage resources, um, and hopefully that will be helpful, but hopefully helpful to others as well. So I'll have the links to um, the two different programs that Kristen shares in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. 
And that's all the time we have for this week. But I want to thank you for being here with me. It's super encouraging to know that you're out there listening and that you're sharing with me what's going on in your life. Thanks for taking me along on your workout, on your walk, while you're folding laundry, while you're doing the dishes, while you're driving the car, whatever it is that you're doing right now. I'm so grateful that you've invited me in to be a part of your life. So until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 